I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson here for Stage 6 of the Tour de France 2021. This show is brought to you by our show partner, Lacole, a very stereotypical Tour de France bunch sprint day, 160Ks, maybe like one cat full climb. Flat as one intermediate sprint, and uh, yeah, finishing in Chateau Roux, where Cavendish won his first Tour de France stage back in 2008. But Benji, I was out to lunch, I missed the start of the stage, having a little break. Uh, Ellie Salthouse, pro triathlete, is actually from Brisbane, she's come to Andorra for the Andorra 73 70.3 Ironman this weekend. Uh, so just caught up with her. So you're gonna have to fill me in on what's going on or what happened at the start of this stage. I'm afraid you made a mistake going outside because action did happen in the start of the stage. We had a breakaway that was very interesting to the point that I was like, could this breakaway actually win with 150k to go? So that question arose, which means that it has to be a solid breakaway. That included the following riders. Towards the end, for Lotto Sudal, no sprinter there, Kelebjorn's out of the race. George Zimmerman for Wanty, Danny Van Poppel, not really the top sprinter here, unfortunately. Then Greg Van Avermaet right there trying to go in the breakaway because they don't really have a spear point to go for. Then Niels Paulin, Sagan teammate. Kasper Asgren, the Koenig and closing GC. Then we have Jonas Rickard, teammate of Mathieu van der Poel. And Søren Kra Andersen for DSM, teammate of KS Ball, together with Tom's Coins. Now, this breakaway group has issues because we have the yellow jersey in the hands of Mathieu van der Poel. And Ricard is in the breakaway with a rider that could take the yellow jersey if the gap exceeds a minute. Asgren. So Ricard decides, I'm not riding with you. Perhaps here or there, try a little bit, but then I stop and sit at the back. The rest doesn't like that. You know that. And we've also got Søren Kranderson, who, surprisingly, doesn't work well to get a reader. Takes over for half a second, because <laughs> they have the legendary Kiss Bowl. In the back. Oh my god. Uh, I don't know why he doesn't ride. Like, I think that if you have got Case Ball in the team that rides one good sprint in the season, no offense, because I do appreciate no, him if he's in his good intended, day. All offense intended for okay. me. Okay. So, Kral Anderson, he should have been riding that. And you can't trust Case Ball every single sprint. And I think you have a better chance with Sudan Kral Anderson in the breakaway than you have with Case Ball in the sprint, personally. So, a lot of tactics going on, and the attacks start because. You've got Thomas de Gent and Van Averma that realize, well, the peloton has riders riding for sprinters that don't have people in the breakaway. Grupama once again missed it in the same fashion in that Sagan stage in the Giro last year, but they had to start chasing with the entire team because they had nobody in the breakaway. And the Koenig and Alpesin were not going to pace. Arkea went to the front as well. Obviously not for Buhani, but for Nairo in green. We all know that. And they started pacing like a madman in the peloton as well. Those two teams were setting the tempo. Together with Victor Kampenarts for the legendary Malaysia sprinter, Max Walscheid. I, sorry, but I think if you've got Max Walscheid in the team, there's no point in doing that. And 
some people would say oh, it's better to have at least someone at the front of the race and if you don't have anyone in the break perhaps use Arts to close that down but i think that there's other stages then if you don't have a good situation right now when you don't have a sprinter that is of a decent caliber so my question is to you if you were student granderson i think you would probably pace at that point and what do you see in the situation because i for example see kasper asgreen in that front group imploding it from the inside but if he's not there the cleric is spacing at the back so i think this is destined to go wrong right yeah i guess it would it would come down to would quickstep really think that asgreen has you know got a good enough chance to win from that break because Listen, the sprint field's been decimated here. We basically got Cavendish. We'll get to Alperson in in a second. We're going to have to give them a, a well. I'm going to give them a proper roasting. But yeah, no Ewan, <laughs> no on form Ackerman, Jakobsen. Obviously, last year, um, so not just recent things. And then Gronerwegen. So a lot of the people who a year ago would have been the best sprinters in the world are not here. So Cav's got a legitimate, you know, odd makers gave him 30, 35 percent chance of winning, if not higher. Asgren against certain crowd, Ricard, etc. I'm not sure it is that. So you're right. I think it might not have ever had a chance to succeed. But if I was a DSM, I for sure would have paced because Case Bowles' chance of winning is like three percent, two percent if he, you know, he gets that magic day right. Um, but yeah, I missed that. I saw it afterwards. But FTJ had to use a lot of work. They apparently were the main team having to bring it back, Benji, because they missed it yep. and they they want them after the sprint. Yes, indeed. They were trying to pace a lot to get with Arkea and that helped, but it wasn't their pacing that was closing it down necessarily. Of course, it helped, but it was mainly the tactics at the front. We had Thomas Hand and Van Aramad keeping up attacks to try and drop Osgren. Then they had a bit of a gap on Osgren, Squins, and Søren Kranderson. Osgren had to pace that back to the front of the race because Søren Kranderson didn't want to help Osgren to the front of the race either. So... It was all just a mess. And then when it came back together, Van Avermaet attacked like four times to get away. The fourth time it did work. Thomas de Gend tried to follow but didn't. And the rest of the group just faltered and fell to the peloton. And Van Avermaet was alone for a bit. And then Roger Kluge attacked from the back in the peloton. And they had a two-man breakaway for the rest of the day. And then the uh, breakaway action was basically done until the intermediate sprint. And uh, we've got a lot to say about that one as well, to be honest. So Merku's the only lead-out man involved in the intermediate sprint, really, in the final, and he's obviously leading out Cavendish, who's in the green jersey, trying to take out more points. Uh, so they're sprinting to the third, because obviously Van Avermaet and Kluger have taken one, two. And Merku, and he he's always done this. Like This is not a new thing, but when he leads out Cavendish, he drops him off this time in the middle because he's come round, or whoever was on the left. Sagan is coming up the inside on the barrier straight line, and Merku, Sagan's coming quick. He timed it really well. And uh, Merku basically just swings out from the middle of the road to the left, completely blocks Sagan. Sagan has to break. And uh, Cavendish, Cavendish didn't really open up the legs either. It seemed like he didn't know Colbrelli was coming on the right-hand side. Colbrelli on the other side of the road, I think, actually took the IS, but Cavendish was like second or third. Buani as well was getting into, getting into it a bit with Cavendish, trying to protect his space. Again, I thought Cavendish came across... Buani's front wheel more than the other way around but how do you what do you do with Merku Benji because okay say the UCI eventually does think oh this is actually dangerous shoving you know cutting people off into the barriers when they're sprinting uh say they actually get around to that you relegate him so what Cav still yes 
you know, gets the lead out. The only thing I can think of is a yellow card system where he gets a yellow here. Okay, you didn't crash anyone. It's a bit dirty, but okay, not the end of the world. Yellow card. If you get another yellow during the tour, you're out of the tour and then Cav loses his prime lead out, man, and that's a sufficient disincentive to keep doing this sort of thing. Do you think that would work? Mm, I think that's indeed... Uh, well, I don't know if that system would be covering all the plot holes, but I think that it would definitely be a better system than what we have now because right now we've got punishments for riders that don't do anything and if you punish Merku there well then the other people get two extra points and he doesn't get anything so the people who have him in velo games are the ones that are honestly the biggest victims here which is probably not the people you want to punish here it's the people that are doing the relegations themselves and just uh, well the deviations not relegations themselves and I think that Merku should be relegated for what he did I just don't know if that would even do something for him so like there's no applicable thing to him that I see that you can do to him right now that would be efficient and disincentivize him to uh, do it again in the future unless you've got a different system. All right, so this turned out to be a pretty regulation sprint stage after that, Cav extending his lead in the green jersey over, well, Alperson sent Philipson to do the intermediate sprint, so Merlier is definitely not going for the green jersey. You can write that down already. And we'll talk about that again, as I said, later. Before we get into the run into the final, I want to mention our show partner, LaCole, who I said at the top of the show, they produce performance cycling apparel made at the base of Monte Grappa. They have the Monte Grappa collection recently released. I think the day before Fortunato won the Adriatica Ionica Stage 2 finish up Monte Grappa, which, of course, you all watched. Uh, Monte Zonkland winner. They have that collaboration with Alessandro Balan, World Championships winner for Italy in the 2000s. So go and check that kit out if you're interested. There's also the Project Aero McLaren collaboration and their new summer lightweight collection. If you want to pick up any of their kit, you can use code LRTDF20, all caps LRTDF20, for 20% off all LeCole items. So thanks to LeCole for supporting the show. But the run into the finish, Benji, I mean, it didn't happen today because it was a tired Kluger and a tired Greg Van Avermaet, but the sprint teams really, I think there's going to be a sprint stage this Tour de France where they're not going to catch the break yeah. on, on a regular. <laughs> they really are struggling to catch the breaks. And we saw in the post-race interview, Cavendish. Struggling made, or on purpose? No, I think they're, they're just not strong enough to, I think a stronger break, like if Van Moor had another rider, they win. Or maybe they would cat and mouse. But if, I, I genuinely think that a, a bigger break of four or five riders that they, they might not be able to bring them back because, yeah, Conor Valovos is not there for FDJ. Uh, De Klerk doesn't do that sort of job in the final. There's no Lampard for De Koenig. It's really like they're going to make Alaphilippe do that sort of job. It's He did at the end for Van Moor, but, yeah, I think I think there's no real big trains and uh, a break could win. Um later but who was taking it up eventually i think the gap was like 30 seconds with with 10ks to go so what they kept it pretty tight anyway yeah they did and it was a rider from dsm that was at the front with alaphilippe in his wheel waiting to take over and it was a dsm rider that did quite a long while i think until like 1.3 1.2 and a half kilometers 1.250 that's what i mean <laughs> and um that's where alaphilippe started taking over because he is indeed part of the train here and that will play into his uh, GC performances eventually, I'm afraid. But he is performing for Cavendish, and Cavendish is probably very happy about that. And that brings the train to the front. But while the Koenig was on the left side of the road, setting up that train with Alaphilippe at the front, you had on the right side of the road about 
five riders back, perhaps. Mathieu Van der Poel launching the entire train of Alpecin, where you've got Ricard in second wheel, you've got Merlira as lead out, and Philipson as a sprinter. Were you surprised? Yeah, obviously. Like, they're, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> Merlira's the quickest on a flat sprint. Like, uh, an account that I follow called Send Riders to the Right Races. It's a really salty Twitter account, sort of man after my own heart. You know, he said, <laughs> when I was at basketball camp in elementary school, we were told that every member on our team had to touch the ball before we could shoot to keep up team morale. Alpers and Phoenix seem to be operating the same way at the Tour de France. And it, 100% right. Like, they're disrespecting their sponsors, Benji, by not having not just the best sprinter on their team, the best sprinter in the race left, flat sprinter Tim Mollier. is quick. We saw what he did on stage, whatever, the first stage he won at this Tour de France. And, yeah, it's just weird. If I'm Mollier, I mean, he's obviously a nice guy, friends with Phillips, and they want to share share the wins around. Mm-hmm. But Cavendish destroyed Phillips in a Tour of Turkey. He smashed him in stage four. I don't see why that's going to change. When Merlier does the lead out for Philipson, he pretty much puts him in the red because he's quicker than Philipson. So, yeah, I'm surprised Benji is my short answer to why Alperson are doing that. I mean, if I'm their sponsors or their, their DS, I say, okay, guys, you had a couple of chances, Philipson, cut the shit. It's time to go back for Merlier lead out. Um, or do you think I'm being too harsh? No, I agree. I think that despite... It perhaps being a, a contractual matter or a promise that they did to give him chances in the races that he goes to after his transfer, it is the better performance option to go for Merlier. You've got a better chance of winning with Tim Merlier on a flat sprint. You've got a better chance of winning with Philipson on an uphill sprint. And that's how you should use them. And right now they're using them to make everybody happy, which is for the team itself probably good for the uh, happiness in the team and so forth but i think they'd be just as happy if merlier gets another two <laughs> stage wins instead of getting second and third every time right now so i don't know i think that they've got two very strong sprinters two of the top eight nine sprinters here but i don't think philipson is in the top three of those and that's why i wouldn't go for him while merlier is perhaps in the top two of the sprinters at this uh to the front right now the only thing I can think of to justify it is they think Cab might OTL and they're trying to get Philipson to win the green jersey. Yeah. And that's the only thing I can think of because he's second in the green points. But continuing on with the sprint, Wout Van Aert is what the second bunch sprint he's contesting this year after Torino Adriatico stage one, which he won uh, ahead of Caleb Ewan. So he, Turnison brought him up, but then there was no Turnison left to help him navigate. He was in the wind a lot, Wout Van Aert, having to sort of fight for his own wheels. We saw that obviously Quickstep took prime position at the front it was fred wright leading out from like two k's to go for Bahrain victorious for, for colbrelli to come between fifth and tenth or didn't even come in the top 10 um so i, I mean i think fred wright is straight up quicker than colbrelli in a flat sprint but anyway they did that saved they definitely saved quick steps train alperson again alperson don't take control they bring up their lead out late so shelter price the other day they, they bring up their lead out late and that's what they did again with almost too many riders. MVDP, then Ricard, then Merlier on the right-hand side. And they're going for Philipson. There's no Wafanat at all. Uh, FDJ had squeezed Case Bowl pretty aggressively off Cavendish wheel with like a K to go. And so they've got Damas sitting on Cavendish wheel. Two trains are going up on either side of the road. They then come together with quick Alperson coming up quickly on the right-hand side. But then basically... K 
Cav comes off Merku's wheel, jumps onto Philipson's wheel, or Mer- yeah, Philipson's wheel. Merlier's going sprinting up the middle. Philipson sprints to the left hand side of him. Cav goes to the right hand side into clear air of Tim Merlier. You basically got Philipson and Cav on the right, either side of Merlier, who still thinks he's doing the lead out at this point. Cavendish going way quicker than Philipson. He comes from the right hand side of the road. He's launched a sprint, you're going right straight to the light, and then he cuts across Molier. He does this because he's trying to cut off the draft if anyone's in his back wheel. So he's trying to move across in front of Molier. We see this all the time. And uh, Molier has to take pretty evasive action, nearly crashes, has to break or whatever. But Cavendish is going way quicker. And uh, he, he almost comes together with Philipson and sort of Boani move over to the left to Philipson was also coming a bit to the right as well. But Cavendish wins the stage easily. Really ahead of Philipson, Buani, Arno de Mar fourth, Sagan fifth, Case Bowl sixth, Molier seventh after doing the lead out, Wafanart eighth, Matthews ninth, Pedersen tenth. They did have turns and Sturvin doing the lead out for Pedersen, but he just just doesn't seem to have it this year. Uh, so obviously no changes to GC at all. Still Van der Poel eight seconds ahead of Pagacha, thirty ahead of Van Aert. Um Yeah, what do you make of the sprint, Benji? You think Cavendish is just way better than Philipson, right? Yeah, I think he is. Quite simple as that. I think that there's some shady action going on in the sprint today. And I think from like a lot of people, not just from one person. Um, but I do think we need to take a look into uh, the top three riders, top four riders actually, of this sprint. We've got Merlier, Philipson and Cavendish in this sprint. And I feel like there's a lot of uh, pushing and shouldering going on in the last section, but also endangering and deviating. And uh, I think we have uh, perhaps an unlikable take about today and that's the fact that i would dare to say despite cavendish being my podcast pick for the stage and i love to have him win on this stage i would have relegated him for the movie did on merlier in the final sprint 100 percent, it's textbook relegation people and you're not gonna like it and i know that we benji and i i mean people might say we never say thing you know we're populous we know people aren't gonna like hearing that but we can you know if it was sagan we would say it. And, if you know, Buhani was there. If Buhani did Buhani this, was out. mate, GC and Eurosport commentary, they would have filed a petition <laughs> to have him removed from the Tour de France. Uh, let me just remind people of the rules. Riders shall be strictly forbidden to deviate from the lane they selected. Okay? Kamenich has selected his lane when he's sprinting. A lane is straight to the line. He's on the right-hand side of Molier. He's like on the far – he's – several bike widths to the right of the dashed line in the middle of the road. That's the lane he's in when launching the sprint. He deviates from that lane after he's launched because he goes back to the left. He then starts sprinting diagonally. Okay, so tick one, he's deviated from his lane. Tick two, he's launched his sprint. I mean, he's literally going straight to the line, no one in front of him. And in doing so, endangering others. Was Merlier endangered because, you know, he had to take evasive action. Merlier was sprinting straight. Or going straight, and he has to take evasive action. Nearly got chopped, nearly crashed. Tick three. So to me, just textbook relegation. Like it's uh, what what rationale? Why 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 couldn't Cavendish sprint straight, Benji? Why why couldn't he I sprint so. straight when he went to the right? I think of some arguments that I received is that he shouldn't get DQ'd because Merlier also moves to the other side, and Philipson also moves in that sprint deviates. So you can't DQ Cavendish or relegate Cavendish because someone else is doing so. I, I, I disagree with that because... Benji, my neighbor stole an apple from Carrefour. So <laughs> I, when I stole some um, pineapple juice, I'm not allowed to go to prison. 
I, I was going to go for a much more extreme one. For example, uh, I kill somebody, but the person I killed is a murderer. Should I go to jail or not? Well, probably. Right, the public, it's public, definitely not a good one because half the public would be like, nah, you don't go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the person, I guess. Anyway, yeah. like looking at it, I think that there's two situations. You have the one where Cavendish moves to the left, endangers Merlier. You you are endangered if you have to move your bike within like a second, a meter to the left to avoid crashing. Like, let's be real, that's endangerment. And the fact that he's going faster than Merlier doesn't matter because some people are saying, yeah, but he, he's a lead out in this situation. But yeah, he's a subhuman. He's a lead out man, Benji. He's a subhuman. He's not a he's sprinter. A peasant. <laughs> 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 no, uh, the thing is like, he moves to the left into Merlier. Merlier being a lead out doesn't change the fact that in the rules they are said to be others not sprinters for example endangering others that could be a a bloody uh i don't know uh a uci commissaire standing there if you endanger him then you're still breaking the deviation rule so it doesn't matter if it's a sprinter or a lead out or a domestique or a breakaway rider that is falling behind in the final sprint like a brent van moore a few days ago if you do the same and endanger somebody then it applies now there's the other example of philipson and cavendish almost clashing into each other in the final 100 meters I don't believe they um, that that should be a, a relegation because they both move into each other, and while they are basically, well, no, Philipson wasn't endangered. Yeah, they weren't endangered, but they both move into each other and just stop just before they endanger each other. I guess. Also, I mean, credits to Merlier. You know, if you know what Merlier should have done, Benji. And this is why this is the difference, and people won't notice the difference between Merku and Merlier. Merlier is a sprinter, not a leadout man. Merlier should basically have chosen the side that Philipson's sprinting to and then continued like Merku did at the intermediate sprint, sprinting towards the barriers on his right-hand side and closing off Cavendish's angle, making Cavendish go the long yeah, way around. Yeah, but where what if he endangers Cavendish then and crashes and we don't want to support that either? No, so no, I'm just it saying. It depends that, on the situation. I'm just saying that's what Merku did, did that at the intermediate sprint and it costs again. I'm just, it's just... The difference between Merku and uh, and Merlier. Merlier is sprinting absolutely straight, and he thought he was still doing the lead out, and he nearly got chopped. So, listen, let us know down below if you see it any differently. I see it as one rider sprinting straight, mm -hmm. the other sprinting for no reason diagonally, and he nearly crashes in. So, yep. I, I I agree, and the thing is, like, we're we're open to seeing your perspective on it. I think that a lot of people might disagree but i think that quite a few people might disagree from a standpoint of wanting to win kevin or wanting to see kevin sure. here and like i wanted to see Cavendish win here 100 percent, but i won't become biased just because of that when it comes to applying the deviation rule that could endanger riders in the future just if replace someone else there, yeah and then he then he's the cute yeah yeah okay anyway that's enough on that you know that's our sprint deviations is our cross to bear but um yeah we're just trying to be consistent even if it's maybe not popular otherwise cavendish he still is i mean i'm not taking anything away from him. he's better than philipson um he still would have won that's it's nothing to do with whether he would have won or lost uh fdj benji with the mai came fourth today guarnieri crashed in the final his last lead out man he's even so, Demar's not looking. I don't know. Is he looking? Is his form different to last year, or is the difference that we have better sprinters here? Because last year he just beat Sagan four times behind him. Today he still beats Sagan. The problem is there's better people here. I think a slight combination of both. I think that Demar has not been on the level of last year this entire year, 
I think he had a bit of a, a sparkle during uh, Valenciana, but then again, that was during that rainy stage where half of the sprinters didn't feel like sprinting, like Galebuin that day. He sprinted with an open rain jacket. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, I think that Demar is just not as good as last year. Quite simple as that. And it's also he lost Guarnieri in the final corner or one of the corners where he, yeah. he apparently got touched and he had to go straight because of that. So there's a lot of points to it. Uh, I think that Demar's not on the level of last year and. Perhaps he might come true in the final two weeks. It's still possible. Hope to see at least one good DeMar sprint this Tour de France, but so far it hasn't been that. All right. Tomorrow's stage is the first day. We think a breakaway has a really good chance. It's 250 Ks, one of the longest stages in the Tour de France for quite a while. A lot of fatigue, surely, before the final mountain stage. And and that final, oh, not the final, first mountain stage on stage eight, and maybe... The concerns about that will nerf this stage. But yeah, it's pretty flat before the climbing kicks off with 160Ks done. So maybe a break of strong rulers will go. They'll have a chance to build up a pretty big buffer. Uh, certainly if I was Van der Poel and Van Aert, be trying to get into the break. Maybe Van Aert's a little bit aggressive. Intermediate sprint is before really any climbing with 114 done. And then they've got like 3Ks, 5%. 2.6Ks, 4%. 2Ks, 4%. Uh, what else? Cote de la Croix de la Liberation, 4.7Ks, 5.3%. But the last 2.5Ks is 25 at 73 Then Signal Duchamp, it's actually quite, it's a bit of fake news climb actually, Benji. 5.7Ks, 5.5%, but it has a descent kilometre in the middle of it. So the last 2Ks, I mean, according to La Flamme Rouge, the last K and a half is at 11%. So that's that's no joke. Uh and that's about that crest 18Ks before the line. There's then another little roller, 2.5Ks at 5.1%. This is a hard stage. And yeah. um, really, I think Alaphilippe would be the would be the favorite for the stage out of the bunch or a pure puncher just because of Signal Duchamp. The problem is it's so far from the line. Would he be able to gap MVDP enough there? But yeah, that's a really steep K. How do you see this playing out? Do you see basically UAE not wanting any part of this stage and letting the break go to... 10, 12 minutes. I think if you're UAE, you're not trying to control the stage at the start. Depends on who goes in the breakaway, of course. If someone dangerous goes in, then you then you step in. But I wouldn't be taking up control that is not necessary on this stage. Definitely with the team they have, they might need to spare their riders for the upcoming stages. I do think that Pogacar will have to come into action that day because I think people are going to attack him. Signal Duchamp, definitely. And it might not be solely Philippe who does it. I think that it wouldn't surprise me if Yumbo tries something on this stage. I don't think it will work because Pogacar is good at these kind of stages as well. We saw that at Tireno. I think that it feels more like a little classic in the, uh, in the Tour de France. And that's what I like about this stage. When it comes to the breakaway, I just don't know who would try and catch them. Would De Koenig be interested in setting up pace throughout the entire thing with De Klerk? I don't know if that's warranted. I think that Perhaps they should try, but I don't know. I don't know if that's worthy with Cavendish being there and having to try and get him out of OTL with the entire team for the rest of the Tour de France. I um, might not be oh, so no, willing to... Uh, OTL this, surely. Nah, no, at this stage, no, but they would tomorrow, try and yeah, save energy yeah, too, to try true, and true. go harder on the coming stages. And that's why I think that it's more likely that a break wins this, but... We had Vanderpool for this one, and I would love to see Vanderpool win another stage personally, just out of complete pure bias of seeing the yellow jersey win a stage. So um, I'm going to stick with Vanderpool. 
I don't know how. I don't believe he can survive Signal Duchamp against Alaphilippe. No. But I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I think three teams should really be trying something today, tomorrow. And I don't think Jumbo Visma should, or I wouldn't blame them if they don't, mainly because we still do you really want to tempt fate with Roglic's injuries? Is it, you know, maybe you do want him to rest up a little bit too. You've lost Hersink. Wout's also coming into, he's not in his best form, it seems. Is this really the place to try something? The team, obviously, the best team for this stage is clearly Ducerne Quickstep. They have Asgren, fantastic on a 2K, 5% sort of climb. Ballerini can get over them. Catanay and three Stevenens, of course, can do a crazy pace on Signal Duchamp for Alaphilippe to attack. Um, so they are clearly the, the best team for this stage. Ineos, they also have an incredibly strong rulers-type team. Kwiatkowski, Rovan, Bala, Castroviejo, even Gagan Hart, I think is really, really strong. And those guys also took the TT off, as Benji observed yesterday. Is this a stage where they can try and set up Carapaz to take some time back on Pagacha, on Signal Duchamp earlier? I think so. Maybe they will try it. Remember Tao Gagenhart, he lit up Liège, Baston Liège uh, on the, what's, what's the second to last climb, Benji? Redoute? Uh, anyway, yes. Single last climb, he lit it up, then Carapaz attacked. Do we see something similar in this sort of Ardennes-style long finish from Ineos? I'd like to see it, and I think it's certainly possible. As well as Astana, Fulsang, Aramburu, Freyle, Izagire, Lutschenko, very strong team. The Medium Mountains is where Astana is strongest as compared to UAE as a complete team. I think in the High Mountains, I mean, what's Jan Izagire going to do to Pagacha in the High Mountains? Nothing. Uh, but <laughs> it in, rains? In, yeah, maybe. <laughs> in this sort of Medium Mountain stage, it's where having a satellite rider can maybe help. So hopefully, and Benji and I have been bigging up this stage so much <laughs> in the last two weeks. We were like, it's going to be a raid. But um, yeah, I think probably 60, 65, 35, there's just a 10-minute break goes um, of someone. Who, who do you think can win from a break, Benji? Magnus Court, for starters. Um Aaron mm. Baru, if he went in the break, but maybe they won't. Yeah, but I had I had Magnus scored for the day after. I can't just no. I don't know if I had Magnus scored for no, the day after. No, you did not. I think I talked you out of it. Did you? Or I was it Valgren? Did you talk me out of? I don't know anymore. I tried to. Yeah, I have um, to check back on the comment that is somewhere below the uh, preview video. But I think that when it comes to the breakaway, we're indeed looking at an Astana and so forth. But then again, they've got Lutsenko up there, so perhaps True. they might try something with Lutsenko on a stage like this. Valverde for know. the break. He's on 10 minutes. They got to send him in the break. That would, that would be amazing. <laughs> this literally, like, this is the perfect stage for Valverde in the break. He's already at 10 minutes. Banaramat again? Banaramat as well as good. So, yeah, this, geez, there can be some strong riders in that breakaway, uh, particularly. I don't, would you think Van der Poel will go break or no, nah, he'll stay in the GC group? He I won't think be, uh, he won't stay be in the GC in the group. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think so. And then you're looking at like Conte teams, perhaps, but uh, Boston Hagen, someone like him, try, but. He hasn't been up to standards in a while. I think that Wanty will set someone in the breakaway. Louis Fliegen would be a nice name yeah, for that breakaway. Good. Michael Goggle. Yes, indeed. No, Goggle's good in this sort of terrain. Uh, Buggy, not showing much this year. I, I like Shelling in the break. He surely will be trying to get into it as well for KOM points. Uh, Dylan Turns? God, he's not showing much, has he? Yeah, but Haig's out. They have to try something. Bill Bauer, I don't know where he is at, at NGC, not stuff good. like that. And then you're looking at a. And Alonso Sudal, who of their team could go in the breakaway and do something there. Is Sweeney a decent hilly rider? 
Um, I think Sunil Duchamp, he'd be struggling from the break. Yeah, I mean, Bahrain victorious, where are they on GC? Mohoric is at five minutes. That's no help. Turns is at 7.25. That's okay. Bill Bowers at 3.24. So, unfortunately, they've got a lot of guys in the uh, yeah in the too close zone, but also not competitive. On I'm switching. Yep. Benoit Cosnefoy. Oh, it's a great I don't know shout. why. It's a great shout. Yeah. It just feels Cosnefoy-ish. <laughs> It's maybe a little bit hard, but then it's kind of yeah. The last climb's not so hard. Yeah, he's and he's way back on GC. I'd love to see it as well. Um, but yeah, I think it could be a break. Could be a GC group. It's a long stage. We'll surely be watching the last two three Pete hours. Peter Helling, dude. I already said him three times. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I completely missed that. <laughs> he'll he'll of course be in the break. But anyway, we watch it Sagan. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I, I'd love to see Sagan in this break. I think he should. He always surprises us at how good he can climb in a breakaway because uh, we always see him, you know, trying to climb against pure punchers. He can't, obviously. I don't think win. Like you don't think Sagan can make it over from the GC group to, to contest no. the finish. Colbrelli. Yes. Yes. Okay. Maybe Bahrain. I think Bahrain should probably just pace to be honest and go over the stage win. But anyway, that's our re- preview of tomorrow's stage. We'll wrap up a little bit. We'll wrap up now and we'll see you with the recap tomorrow. Ciao. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.